So um, I have to confess, I feel a little bit set up for this preach this morning, and I actually wrote the series overview, so it is kind of my fault. But I find myself tasked with talking to you all this morning about how a life lived with Jesus is inevitably one of constant change. So, oh, that's not going to go over there, is it? So, um, so that could be interesting. I was like, thank you, God. Uh, love you too. Thanks. Um, and uh, back in the Stone Age, when I was 18, <laughs> um, I, I took a gap year after I graduated and I worked for a year in youth ministry and uh, the vicar at the time who has turned out to be my father-in-law because I married Tom um, had this um, note um, framed and pinned to the wall in the office and it always slightly irritated me and, and the note said this, change is here to stay. And I have to confess to a little bit of a love-hate relationship with change. Apparently, my mother likes to tell the story of when I was three years old, we had to have our washing machine replaced. And uh, I did not take to this idea very well. Apparently, I was quite attached to our washing machine. And so when the new one arrived and the old one needed to be taken out, I attached myself to the old washing machine with my three-year-old fingertips, held onto it screaming, you can't take my washing machine, you can't. So um, any psychiatrists in the room, please don't talk to me afterwards. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a lot of change going on around here, isn't there? There's a lot of change for us as a church family, as Carl and Nikki navigate transitioning into a different season and stage of their leadership here. And not just for us as a church family, but there's a lot of change out there. Politically, the landscape is totally shifting, isn't it? Change. Lots of change. Possibly change is our only certainty. And so it's really what we do with the inevitability of change that counts. What do we do with that? And what does it mean that we're a follower of Jesus? What does that have to say to the way that we grapple with change? And I have this conviction that this book, the Bible, God's book, has something to say about change. It's, it's like 2,000 years plus more of change management history in here. And what I'm discovering personally as I walk some of that journey myself is that God walks with us in change. He does. He walks with us. So I don't know how you feel about change this morning. Maybe you're facing change in your own life that you're really excited about. New baby, new marriage, things that you've been longing to happen in your life are suddenly starting to emerge, new job. Or maybe you're facing change that it feels like you've not had so much control over and you're not so happy about those change, a relationship breakdown, a situation at work, uh, just uh, children growing up too fast and leaving home. So whether the change we're facing is something we feel God's been leading us into that's been my story. Or whether it's change that just is happening around us. God is with us. And so my question this morning, where is God in change? And so we're going to read from Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. If you've got a Bible, if you want to open it, and if you turn right to the back and then flip left, like 
maybe half a centimetre, then you'll find where we are. We're reading a letter that has been written by a guy called Paul, a leader, to a group of believers in a city called Ephesus. And so he had gone there previously. He had shared the story about Jesus. And many people had come to life, um, to, to faith, to this abundant life with Jesus. And so he's writing to teach them more things about what it means to live an abundant life with Jesus. And, and so far we've covered, just as a really quick, quick summary, week one, we have a life with a dad who loves us abundantly. Chapter one, verse five, we've been adopted into sonship through Jesus Christ. Week two, we have a life of free will. This should be on the slide somewhere. Uh, a life of free will and choice where you get to make decisions about um, your life that will either enable or disable you getting on board with the good things that God has for you. And then week three, last week, Carl talked about we are given a life lived in the middle of a cultural war, where on the one hand, the father is sowing the seeds of the kingdom, the good stuff, and then on the other, the enemy is sowing the seeds that will undermine and, and trip up the work of the father. And so having laid all of this out as a framework for a life lived with Jesus, Paul then prays this prayer. So let me read to us from verse 14. Chapter 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So as we dive into this passage a little bit, I, I wanted to start by telling you about my friend Naomi. And some of you will know Naomi because she's taught here and she leads the prayer and prophetic ministry at church. Um, but she has just got a flat, and it's her first flat. She has bought this flat. Well, actually, the, let's be honest, the bank has bought the flat. She helped the bank buy the flat. That's kind of how it works these days. Um, but Naomi has put a lot of thought and intention into making this flat not just a flat, but a home. She's made it look beautiful. I went to see her just shortly after she had moved in, and... Um, her walls look something like a patchwork quilt because she had so many kind of tester paints of paint, tester pots of paint, that she had like, you know, done little swatches on the walls. I'm sure we've all been there. If you have bought a flat or you've been moved into a flat and, and you've made it a home, then you remember the, the trips to B&Q, the kind of Pinterest boards that you might draw up to like think about what is my new home going to look like. Um, you've realized that white paint is not just white paint, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? There's frosted dawn, 
moon shimmer, fine cream, classic cream, cream tea, Cornish cream, cottage cream, or even delicate seashell. Um, add to that that Naomi could probably navigate made.com now, blindfolded. Um, it's not just a flat, it's somewhere she lives. It's a home. It's beautiful. And it's no different with us, with you and with me. When Jesus moves in to our heart, when we take up a life lived with Jesus, he makes his home in us. And there's this beautiful picture that Paul um, paints in this prayer and it emerges in verse 17 but actually he's been laying the foundations for it in the three chapters previous verse 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts is actually better translated pictorially so that the king may make his home in your hearts through faith you see when we live this Jesus life in some mysterious amazing incredible way that the truth of the gospel is that Christ comes and takes up residence in us. He comes to live in us. He sets up house in us and he makes it at home. So he clears out the garages of our lives. He declutters our emotional baggage. He plants geraniums in our gardens. He gets to work in us and he makes us a home. And so my first point, a life of abundance, a life lived with Jesus is a life of change in us. And sometimes that's initiated by change going on around us, that unsettles us. And, and sometimes it's just work that God initiates, but you can be sure of this, that God will never, ever miss an opportunity to get to work making his home in you. He will never miss an opportunity to do that, to strengthen you, to empower you, to make you into a beautiful home. You see, the thing is, when God moves in, when God becomes king, then other stuff can't be king anymore. So other stuff has to move out. That's kind of ultimate tenancy. And that's some of what Carl was talking about last week, wasn't it? The secularism, consumerism, progressivism, the isms have to find right footing with Jesus as king. And fears and hurts and wounds and frameworks in us that are not healthy and do not bow the knee to Jesus get rooted out because God clears them out of our lives to make us a home. And so whether you're sitting here and you are maybe one of the 18 people that became a follower of Jesus on Alpha, or whether you're sitting here and it was recently your 85th birthday and you've been following Jesus for longer than I've even been alive, then Jesus remains completely committed to making his home in you. It doesn't matter where you are on the journey with Jesus. He's always going to be trying to make his home in you and inviting you to co-conspire with him as to what that looks like and what purpose it serves. So if you are aware, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit, maybe it's just because I'm awful at tidying, but when I tidy up a room, things look worse before they look better. Anyone else with me on that? Yeah, a few nods, yes. Um, if, if you feel like that about your life right now, could it just be that God is at work in you? And so if you are aware of your stuff 
this morning, then rejoice. Because it means that God is totally committed to working out his plans and purposes for your life. And he's actually doing things that matter in your heart. And a question to ask here that might help you is just, I find it helpful. God does speak to us through our imagination. So picture yourself as a house and look to see where where is God at work here? What wall is he painting? What room is he clearing out? What new furniture is he moving? What are you doing, God? Just ask him the question. What are you doing and why? And, And how can I help with that process? Come with me um, quickly to verse 16. This kind of change is made possible because each of us has power through his spirit in your inner being. You might be sat here thinking, that's all very well and good, Hannah, but you have no idea the kind of renovation work that God would have to do in me. I mean, there's like asbestos and wood rot and there's some like structural instability. I'm sure of it. Like that is just, I mean, could God do that? And, and this verse tells us, yes, yes, he can. It takes us back to chapter one. That power, the power in you, God in us, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's chapter one, verses 19 to 20. The power at work in you, in here, is the very same power that took the dead body of Jesus and raised Jesus up to life again. So if God could do that with the dead body of Jesus, imagine what he can do with you, with us. If we accept his work, if we if we if we say yes, God, and more, even though it costs me, even though it's painful, even though at points I'd rather that you weren't doing it, actually, yes, God. Yes, because I'm trusting that you're making your home in me and you're making me beautiful in your time. So a life of abundance is a life of change in us because God is at work. And I wanted just to say quickly that Soul's book, Soul's our pastor for care here, Life Care is basically all about that. (laughs) And it's a really helpful companion to some of the growth and the change that we all go through as we journey with Jesus. And you can get a copy today out in the foyer because Muddy Pearl have got a great bookstore again. So just wanted to say, I really, really rate Sol and his work and he's poured a lifetime of of pastoring and counseling into this book. So if you want a companion to help you do some of that, pick your copy up today. So a life of change in us. And then the other certainty in change is that Jesus will always be with us. From the message, verses 18 and 19 of that chapter, we just read chapter 3, I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depth, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the goodness of God. And this kind of picture that is painted here made me think of an ocean. 
It's like we are entirely submerged by the love of God. You can stand in the middle of it and you can't reach the sides of it. You can't touch the bottom of it. You can't even reach the height of it. You can't get to the top of it because it is surpassing you. It is beyond you. The love of God is huge. It's colossal. There is no inch of you and your changing circumstances that is not already covered by the love of God. And that means that God is not just at work in us, but in change, he is with us. And that is the one certainty that I have found that we can guarantee. He is with us. And I just wonder that some of us maybe need to slow down to realize that he's actually with us. To pause, to take a deep breath. When was the last time that you sat down and actually talked with God about some of the change that's going on around you? When was the last time that you asked him for help? There's this story about Jesus in the Gospels where he's in a boat with his friends and Jesus is really tired, so he falls asleep. You know those people who can nap anywhere, anytime, any place? You know those people? I hate those people. <laughs> Apart from Jesus. So Jesus is asleep and this storm blows out of nowhere and suddenly the disciples are absolutely panic-stricken like this is terrifying change instability uncertainty completely around them but Jesus is with them and they wake him and with three words he speaks to their chaos and he calms it all down quiet be still from Mark 4 so Notice what isn't going on there. His presence with them there isn't suddenly beaming them out of the boat and putting them back on dry land, which is where I imagine most of them would like to be at that point. It didn't, it didn't kind of solve that equation. God being present with us, either in the change that he's working in your life or the changes he's walking with you through, doesn't mean that suddenly everything is peaches and cream, but it does mean that he's in our boat. And I don't know about you, but I want Jesus in my boat. And I, I want to be ready to listen to the words that Jesus would speak to the circumstances around me. I wonder that he would say, quiet, be still. And I wonder what he would say to our uncertainty, to our political climate, to this church even, if we just paused and we listened And so God is at work in us, and he's with us. But an abundant life with Jesus is inevitably one where he works out his change through us, through us. And probably one of the things that I love the most about this church has been the constant provocation that what God wants to do in you, he also will do through you. That has been a complete turnaround for me because it means that everything gets redeemed. Nothing is beyond the redemption of God and what he would do. He will take total brokenness and he will turn it into beauty. He will make his home in us. And we see that verse 20 of chapter 3. 
the change that God will do through us is immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, not ours, according to his power that is at work within us. And so a life with Jesus is guaranteed to be a life of disruption and change because that's what happens when he does transformation. He doesn't leave us how he finds us, he works in us and then he sends us to be his hands and his feet and his body amongst a people that he loves. And I think I would just love to encourage you all this morning then, don't underestimate small things done with great love because they are the things of transformation. Don't underestimate the day of small beginnings because with his power, who knows what kind of amazing things he'll do. So if you're after an abundant life with Jesus, accept that your plans will get interrupted. <laughs> accept that there is no predictable or comfortable life because he doesn't promise that. Expect to be caught up in the winds of change because his spirit moves us and changes us and, and sends us out. And expect that he will give you a vision that is beyond you and then he'll look at you and he'll wink and with a twinkle in his eye, he'll ask you to have a go anyway because that's what he's like. And so, as I finish, <laughs> how do you begin to get on board with that? Like, how does that actually happen in us, with us, through us? Number one, I suggest we need to learn to listen to God. And each one of us um, will hear God's voice in a different way because that's the way that he made us differently, uniquely. So some of us hear God through pictures, some of us through words, some of us through just fleeting impressions that will come across our head. Some of us have a really deep relationship with scripture where we will open the word and, and we will know that actually that's, that's God's word jumping off the page. And here to me, others of us need to get out into the nature and, and we experience God's word to us. Whatever way you know that you perceive and receive God's voice, put yourself in a place to hear it. Number two, do what God says, which is kind of easy to say and hard to work out, as I know. <laughs> Be obedient to the things that God says to you. Take risks. And then lastly, get a cheer section, which is basically my way of saying, invest in real friends who will cheer you on, who will tell you the good stuff, who will um, encourage you. To live an abundant life with Jesus takes real intention in this culture. So get a cheer section. And then, <laughs> then I think we will be amazed at what God would do amongst us. So change is here to stay, but so is God, and so we can trust him with that. Can I pray for us? Father, Pray you take the words that I just spoken 
those that were from you that they would take root, but those that weren't, just let them fall to the ground. And I, I pray for my friends and my family. Father, that right now they would be aware of your love for them, your all-surpassing, all-encompassing, extravagant, submerging love, that that is the one certainty they can stake their lives on. Thank you that in the middle of change, whatever kind of change we might be walking through, you are always for us and you are always with us. And so we can count on you. And I, I pray, Father, that you would teach us more what that really means. That you would take us on a journey of learning that together. You are with us. And I want to pray this morning, Father, for those of us who, who know that the change you have worked out in us um, is something that you are beginning to invite us into um, to share, that it's a through us thing. I pray for courage. I pray for tenacity. I pray for strength. I pray that you would be a light to our feet and a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so, Father, we just give you this time and this space. We ask that you would come and minister yourself to us, that you would speak in words and pictures as we um, have this time just to dwell, just to rest, just to be in your presence and to worship. We say, come Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus for his glory. Amen.